Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your spring training is almost in the books and regular season Cubs baseball is just around the corner home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and we are so excited for this particular episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek. I'm going to try and make it through my intro without screaming like a little girl, (laughs) but I am extremely so, so very excited about this episode. I'm going to let Sarah go ahead and introduce her before I spoil the surprise. All right. Yeah, it's Christmas morning for Andy, y'all. Today is particularly exciting because it is Women's History Month. And as our listeners know, the Cubs are on the verge of making history. We are thrilled to be joined by Beth Mowens, a longtime play-by-play voice that you probably recognize from her work at ESPN and CBS. She's made history before as the first woman to call an NFL game in 30 years. And in addition to calling NFL games, you probably heard Beth call college basketball games as the lead voice for the Women's College World Series. And this Saturday at 3 p.m. Central Time, she is going to be the first woman in history to call play-by-play for the Chicago Cubs on Marquee Sports Network. Beth, welcome to the show. Well, hello, ladies. It is uh, is a thrill for me as well to be here in in Chicago and uh, to be able to, for the time being, sit in in Wrigley Field and uh, dream of a a day real soon when the actual Cubs will be in there and actual fans will be in there as well. You know, Andy and I both missed being at Wrigley so much last year. We met at Wrigley Field at Social (laughs) Media Night a couple years ago. And I just have to ask, are, are you excited to be one of the first people to be welcomed back into that historic stadium? Well, as you guys are well aware, it's not only the history of the Cubs on the field and the the tradition and all of the legendary stuff that has gone on inside Wrigley that makes it so special, but it's also the amazing people who have been in that press box. And so just to be a part of that and, uh, you know, to be to be coming in this year to call uh, the Cubs and all the excitement that we all feel during spring training and, and everybody's going to win the World Series this year. Uh, it, it's just it's great to be attached to not only a team, but but one of the greatest teams in all of pro sports. So I have to say, because this is I, I said this before when we were getting ready to jump on the show, when I hear your voice um, and and. Our listeners have heard this many times from me, but for for your information, I am a huge softball junkie. Like I've played my entire life. I played in college. I watch it all the time. I literally have probably 50 games saved right now on um, my digital recording so I can watch it any time of the day. Like I love college softball. I still play to this day as much as I can. But for me, when I think women's college softball, I think of Beth Moens. Like that is just what happens for me. Like when I hear your voice, I feel like I should be watching ESPN, you know, (laughs) two SEC powerhouses playing each other, you know, something like that. So it's, it's really surreal for me to get to talk to you today, but thinking back for you, um, you know, and Chicago Cubs fans have voices that we've gotten to hear. Like you mentioned, Harry Carey, um, you know, Pat Hughes, obviously now is, is, is somebody that you get to work with this year. Um, Len Casper, being that now you're part of that group of people that we get to hear, who is a voice that 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 you go back to that is one of your great sports memories or great baseball memories? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I think for me, there are certain voices and, and probably for a lot of fans that you associate uh, with a particular sport, you know, a Keith Jackson to me just sounds like college football and, and Pat Summerall sounds like the NFL and Jim Nance. Um, so for me, when I was younger, uh, it, it was um, Mel Allen's Twib Notes uh, this week in baseball, which was a fabulous show every Saturday morning that was must-see TV. And then, you know, it was I, – I, I still get chills thinking about day playoff baseball with Vin Scully, Joe Garagiola, and Tony Kubek on the call. <laughs> and and those were some names to me that it just it, – it sounded like baseball. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, the other influences really for me in baseball is as a kid in uh, in upstate New York, um, it, it was the Yankee broadcast on WPIX with Scooter and, and Bill White and Frank Messer were, were a lot of the voices that I grew up with. And fortunately, um, you know, you would, you know, I, I was a, a cable TV baby, uh, so you'd catch uh, the occasional Harry Carey on, on uh, WGN, I think it was back in those days. And and you'd be able to listen into into some of his calls too from Wrigley. That is just outstanding, and I I hear you with that. There are some voices that just make you think of certain sports, and I'm so thrilled that people who are growing up listening to the Cubs are going to have your voice to associate with that team going forward. You know, Beth, I heard you yesterday on Marquee Sports Network during the third inning talking with Pat Hughes and Jim Deshays about how you used to set up um, Mr. Microphone to the radio and roam around the neighborhood calling different games. I Okay, first off, I relate to this so much, but our listeners do not want to hear about me. They want to hear about you. Can you tell us a little bit about being your neighborhood play-by-play person growing up? And was there any sport you loved calling more than others? Well, they have to, and I... I... I meant to Google it and I, I forgot, but I, I'm hoping somewhere that the Mr. Microphone lives on YouTube. And it was, you remember the, the commercials, it was a little kid on a big wheel and he was cruising <laughs> around the neighborhood trying to pick up chicks. And he was uh, using his Mr. Microphone. <laughs> hey, good looking. I'll be back to pick you up later. And um, I immediately saw that uh, for its much better use, which would be calling games, it would, you know, it was a wireless back to your, your old transistor radio. And so, <laughs> you know, it was wiffle ball out in the street. It was uh, football. We had a big field behind our house. It was football out there uh, in the yard. And, and then we had a, a basketball hoop. My dad was a high school basketball coach. Uh, and that was in the, uh, we, we actually, he and my uncle Pee Wee, great story. who worked for the phone <laughs> company. They got a telephone pole and cut it in half and cemented it into the lawn right next to our driveway. And that's what I think still to this day, 40 years later, our hoop is hanging up outside our old house. And so you just kind of went from season to season. And as I was playing, um, you know, the precursor to trash talk was uh, trash play-by-play. And and I would be be calling out the game as I was, you know, crossover dribbling someone and, and blowing by them for a layup. Oh, that's outstanding. So you're like both playing the game and yes. calling your own history at the like same calling, time. Calling your own shot in a, in a, a wiffle ball game in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> Beth, you just wrote it. the title for this episode. We're definitely calling this epi- episode Beth Moens is calling her own shot. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, 
I love that. I love that. And actually, that brings me to the great next topic, which we got to listen to you and JD talk about a little bit yesterday, talking about your career as an athlete, um, your amazing basketball player. You still hold um, the all-time assist leader record at Lafayette College. You're also 11th on the board for all-time scoring. And you also played softball and soccer. So all of those things, because obviously... I mean, you have to know some sports to do what you do, but how did, how did being an athlete perform, help prepare you for what you are doing now for the Chicago Cubs? Oh, I, I think it was huge. Uh, first and foremost, just the passion for the game and um, the ability to, you know, deep dive into not just the strategy, but the language of a sport, the flow of a sport, and, and having a basic knowledge and understanding uh, of what you're covering is, is huge. The other thing is I, you know, it, it lit a competitive fire in me at a young age. This is a very competitive business. And although we love to help each other and encourage each other, you know, there are only so many, uh, MLB jobs out there to try and snag or to be a part of. And then I, I think it was huge, especially for young girls in the confidence department. I got a lot of my confidence from playing sports. I, I wasn't always as confident um, off the field. And, and that was something that I had to grow into and learn to be a, a little more outgoing and a little bit better, like in networking and things like that, which are also critical, you know, once you get out into the real world and you have to retire the wiffle ball bat. So uh, I, I think that's probably where it came from. A, a dad who was a coach, um, a mom who was a big sports fan, and, and then, you know, three brothers who, who toughened me up with, with just about every sport we played. You know, you talked about the confidence aspect here, and I I relate to this a lot. I was not the athlete in my family. That was definitely my brother. My competitive side always came through with much nerdier outlets like debate and those types of things. But I heard an interview that you did last September where you talked a bit about having to fight for that play-by-play role throughout your career and that media outlets would try to pigeonhole you here or there into different places. And you really had to persevere to say, no, this is what I want to do. And I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit, you know, linking that to the confidence you got from sports and athletics, where that comes from, how you persevere in that, and what advice you might give to some of the young ladies who might be listening to this show to go follow their dreams. Well, first of all, I I remind people that it's a people business. And so your ability to network and use the phone and use your text and and to be aggressive in, in the pursuit of your dreams and and to set real um, high goals for yourself and then figure out ways to chase them down. I, I think that's a good piece of information. I also love the phrase, don't, uh, don't say no for no particular reason. So if you think a job is below you or you think something is going to be a waste of your time, uh, you should do it anyways because you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to learn on that assignment. And so, you know, when I was younger and, and, most of the women's roles were as the sideline reporter. Uh, I would remind people, first of all, that's probably the toughest job out there for a lot of different reasons, uh, number one. But um, that wasn't where my heart was. I, I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer. And so I would accept uh, sideline roles to get my foot in the door. I would accept you know, studio roles if I you know, got my foot in the door. And then from there, once you're inside you know, then you can start bugging people a little bit. Hey, why don't you give me a chance to do that? Or, you know, I'd I'd really love a shot at that particular assignment. And, uh, you know, usually 
you can work that way once you're in the door. Like my, my first job was not in sports. It was in news and it wasn't in television. It was in radio. But then once you start getting the ball rolling and you pick up a paycheck and you, you have, have some independence to do your own thing, um, then you can start steering, if you will, your career in the direction that you want it to go. Well, I want to bring something up on a personal note. And um, I know, you know, our listeners get to hear my stories all the time, but this has something particularly to do with you and hearing you. Um, one time I can remember back in 2012, um, you were calling LSU. And I want to say this is softball. Of course, we're talking college softball. <laughs> um, LSU and South is South Florida. They were green uniforms, South Florida. And there was a super fast center fielder, so fast. Um, she tagged up from third on a pop fly to shortstop, infield pop fly to shortstop. Um, AJ Andrews, I heard you call this game. This was so fantastic. She is an, was an amazing player. And it's just, this memory just sticks out to me because I remember thinking, um, I was pregnant at the time. I remember thinking I wanted to name, if I had a girl, I wanted to name her AJ. And so that always, I always go back to that because I tell her this story, but my daughter's name is AJ. So um, I think it's just so cool that like, I have that memory and everybody in my house, including my husband knows your voice very well. And I just, I think it's, it's such a cool thing that we get to share now with our kids that not only are you, you know, who you are and, and what you are to us for sports, but now you're going to be calling Chicago Cubs games. What does that mean to you? I mean, cause that's huge for us. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Well, there, there's certainly um, a, a large responsibility that goes along with what we do. And that's kind of understood from day one. And it's a role that uh, you, you have to embrace right away. And it, it's something that, you know, I take very seriously, whether it's a Chicago Cubs game or whether it's a high school baseball game, it means a lot to the people that are watching and listening. It means a lot to the to the people that are playing. And so I always keep that in mind, um, regardless of what the situation is. And, and we take a lot of pride, you know, our entire crew, uh, when we're, we're covering the Women's College World Series or, or the guys and, and women that, you know, cover the Cubs on a daily basis, it, it, it does mean a lot for us to be able to put the pictures and the sounds and our voices on people's memories. And uh, it, it's really cool when you go back in time and, and you watch a moment and you know, you, you, you happen to have your voice attached to it. Uh, yeah. I, I won't lie. Th those are pretty special. And, and it's, it's really cool to, you know, hear a story like that and know the kind of impact that, that we can have um, on, on people's moments. That makes me wonder, do you have a particular call that is your favorite call that's the one you go back and look at? Oh, gosh. Whew. You know, I've been doing this for a while now. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, what, well, since we've been talking softball, I, you know, the one that comes to mind immediately is the Shea Knighton home run in the 17th inning. Um, you know, up in these uh, parts, uh, the, the Michigan – 2005 national championship, Sam Finley's home run in the, in the 10th inning of game three to, to beat UCLA, I think stands out as one of those epic moments. Um, you know, the, the, uh, there's, there's kind of moments like that, that, yeah, you, you remember over the years as being pretty cool. You're setting me up here nicely. Before we go to a quick break, I'm curious, 
You know, I hear about announcers trying to practice their home run call all the time. And, and I always wonder if you have a call like that, that you've done for one sport, can it transition to another one? Do you have a home run call that you're getting ready for Wrigley Field? Or are you just going to do it organically? You know what? In, in years past, it's always kind of come organically. I, I think for a lot of announcers, you you don't necessarily prepare anything for a moment late in a game. Uh, you know, we, we tend to prepare a lot for what we're going to say in the open and things like that. But I, I've always found that it, if it comes kind of or, organically or spur of the moment, those, those tend to be the best. So I, I don't really have anything in mind. I mean, if you guys have some suggestions, I'll gladly listen. <laughs> I was going to say, I've heard you call a lot of college softball home runs. So I kind of kind of have an idea of what it might sound like, but I definitely am looking forward to what, what it's going to sound like on Saturday. So hopefully the Cubs can give you something. Yeah, as you know, one of the problems with softball is they leave the yard so damn fast. So fast. Yes. A lot of time to come up with. Yes. <laughs> I, and, and many times too, when you're calling them, it feels like you're calling multiple in an inning. So yeah. it's like, as soon as you get back to a normal level, then all of a sudden there goes Beth again, she's screaming about another home run. So hopefully the Cubs give you that same That's thing. That's what I'm hoping. I, I hope I will have plenty of practice on a Cubs home run call. <laughs> that is outstanding. <laughs> Softball certainly does not have a pace of play issue. Uh, we don't have a pace of play issue here on Cup of Cubby Blue either. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but don't go anywhere. On the flip side, we have more with Beth Moens just a couple of days before she makes her debut as the first woman play-by-play announcer for the Chicago Cubs, but first, a quick break. And we are back. Beth, I want to transition a tiny bit to a conversation I heard you having on the Marquee Sports Network podcast with friend of the show, Cole Wright, and Tony Andraki earlier this week. Uh, You were talking about the challenge of calling a baseball game these days due to the radically different ways that fans approach the game, you know, and our show is no stranger to that. Um, I am kind of the saber nerd here. I'm always talking about WRC plus and WOBA and F war versus B war and all this other stuff. And Andy's sort of the traditionalist and you have to appeal to all of us. So I thought this was a brilliant insight. Can you share with our listeners a bit how you plan to bridge that gap for Cubs fans this season? Well, first of all, where is the best pl- where's the best glossary of all those terms uh, for for those of us uh, that that want to take a much deeper dive? Number one, uh, <laughs> and I personally think it's on Fangraphs. That's where I kind of went. And you know, full full disclosure here, I was a teacher for seven years, so I kind of I kind of have a sweet spot for explaining some of those things. I do that in my writing on BCB a lot, but Fangraphs is my go to. <laughs> All right, I will make sure I check into that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a situation where if somebody is a leader in a partic- particular stat or if somebody is, you know, I, I like uh, top tens or top fives. Um, and, and then I think, too, part of it is based on maybe what Jim or what, uh, you know, J.D. or what Ryan Dempster happens to be talking about on a particular occasion or on a particular day. Um, you know, I, I still think batting average home runs and RBIs are important. And then I, I do like the way that, um, you know, some of the newer analytics can help explain things about why somebody may or may not be hitting lefties as well as righties. Uh, you know, why 
Um, this guy, even though he's hitting 213 with a really good exit velocity, he's just having some bad luck. He's hitting it right at people, not necessarily uh, not making good contact. And so I, I think there's a place sort of to interject, um, you know, the analytics and the statistics here and there where they really um, show that somebody's really good at something or a reason why they may be struggling at something. So I have to ask, because I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and be the, the old school fan that I am, but my my hard-hitting question is, what is your favorite team across all the sports that you consume? What is your favorite team? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe this is a hard-hitting question. <laughs> well, it, it's not necessarily hard-hitting, but it, it the wallet becomes involved when you have paychecks uh, involved, so... Uh <laughs> Of course, the Cubs and the Raiders are my favorite um, since, I, since I do Raiders preseason games. Uh, but well, wait, the Cubs know there was life before them yeah. for you, so they, they understand. Um, you know, I, I think it was Scott Van Pelt who, who was one of the first people to articulate this really well. And we all come from somewhere. And and the reason we're, we got into sports casting is because we were all fans at a young age. So I, I, I often refer back to my youth. So in baseball, it was the Bronx Zoo, uh, New York Yankees that I grew up on. Um, and I, back in those days, the AAA team would actually host the big league team for a game um, over the summer. And so I, I was actually born, um, my, my dad, they had to call him on the PA address at old MacArthur Stadium in Syracuse um, to let him know that uh, his wife was going into labor and he needed to get to the hospital. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he still waited to get a look at Mickey Mantle, but I can't confirm that. And he will not confirm that for me uh, before he headed to the hospital. Uh, so I, I, I also grew up. Um, I loved Kenny Morrow with the U.S. Olympic hockey team, and since I was in New York, the Islanders became my hockey team. Although I did have split allegiance because my mom was from Montreal, so the uh, Canadians were also uh, big in our house. Basketball was a huge Julius Irving fan, so I actually matriculated towards the uh, Philadelphia 76ers as a child. Um, and then NFL originally was uh, the old Dallas Cowboys of uh, Roger Staubach and um, Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson because back in those days, the New York teams were not very good, and we would always get um, – the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Raiders on, on national TV games in, in our house. You know, as the daughter of a Yankees and Cowboys fan, I guarantee that my father would have picked <laughs> watching Mickey Mantle just for a few minutes yeah, I before we, heading to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's so outstanding. So, well, so and to make you feel better about the about, you know, n now that you have a paycheck coming from the Cubs, so to speak, who is your favorite Cubs player? Like present day, previous, whatever. Who's your favorite Cubs player? You know, I really enjoyed uh, Ryan Sandberg and actually lo loved to watch Mark Grace at first base uh, back in the day. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody swung it better than uh, than uh, Dawson did when he was here. I loved watching Andre. Um, those three probably jump off the page and, and now certainly, you know, I think mo like most of Cubs fandom, uh, you know, I, I'm anxious to see how the core 
Cubs bounce back from their their subpar years at the plate last year, I think that's really going to be the thing to decide uh, the the team's fate. So I I guess I'd lean a little bit towards Chris Bryant because he's from uh, USD, and since I'm out in Southern California, uh, a lot of a lot of folks out in San Diego like to follow Chris. That's awesome. I uh, Andy Andy and I are well known Ryan Sandberg fans. Um, I think that both of us have conceded on multiple occasions that his defense, the Sandberg game, you know, I was barely cognizant for that game. It's the first baseball memory I have. So you are in good company here with Ryan Sandberg as your favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say all three of those would be like three that I would name as childhood favorites by far. If there was a game I could have been at, obviously, other than the World Series uh, stuff, I would have loved to have seen the Kerry Wood strikeout game. That that, that, that must have just been electric. I agree. I think that is probably one of those baseball moments that will never happen again Mm -hmm. to have someone that young in that situation. Just, I have a friend who's not really a baseball aficionado, but the way he describes that game, he says it's the greatest sporting event he ever saw. And the ball was on a (laughs) yo-yo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's an, that's an outstanding memory. I fully support that. I'm going to change topics just a tiny bit. You know, one of the things that stands out about your career, and Andy talked about this a little bit ago, is just how many amazing events you've covered. You've covered the Women's World Cup. You've covered football games, college basketball, softball. How do you prepare differently for being on top of so many diverse events? And can you give us a little insight into your process for getting ready for Saturday's game? Yeah, so so the process is pretty similar. You know, we have a, a game board that's in front of us uh, for most sports with names and numbers, you know, of the starters and the, you know, the players that will come off the bench a lot. Um, you know, for football, you have your two deep in front of you with with names and numbers. And, and so I like to what I call forage for information throughout the week um, to, to gather things and then kind of weed through that to try and figure out what I think are, are some of the most important things and, and conversations with your analyst and your producer to, you know, come up with a, you know, we have our own game plan going in, our own strategy going in, what we think the main storylines are. And so that, that's kind of all in front of me, almost like a cheat sheet. I don't, you know, there, there's too much stuff to try and memorize. It's just nice to have in front of you if you need some time to fill or, you know, if something kind of cool happens and you happen to have a really good nugget about that. Um, uh, softball and baseball are a little different. Um, you know, the, the names and numbers aren't necessarily uh, crucial to come up with on, on short notice, you know, like a running play or a passing play in football. So there, there's a lot more like written out almost in Word um, or Excel spreadsheets uh, that where you store information and then kind of a diary of the season as the season rolls along so you can look back and reference um, different things. And then, um, you know, I, I put together some, you know, just some thoughts that I have on what I think might be important for the season, you know, so we probably will be prepared to talk about the, you know, position battle at second base, uh, who's going to be the fifth starter, uh, you know, who's going to fill out the bullpen. looks like there may only be, three spots left, uh, depending on, on, you know, how things play out. Um, you know, a little, little talk about Craig Kimbrell. He had a much better outing, uh, yesterday after a couple of shaky ones early. So, 
you know, that that's that's sort of the the game plan for spring training. And then obviously once you get into the regular season, you can be a lot more focused on this particular series, this particular month, uh, this particular batter in the year that he's having and things like that. So now tell me this, because I caught that you and JD were talking. Do you guys know each other? I mean, have you guys worked together at any point in time? I understand you guys um, obviously have, you know, probably communicated quite a bit since you've been hired on by Marquis, but was there, was, did you guys know each other before that? No, we, we did not know each other um, before that, but you know, it's such a small world. So uh, JD is uh, uh, also an upstate New Yorker like myself and went to Lemoyne College in Syracuse. You've probably heard him talk about uh, his beloved Dolphins a time or two. And that also happens to be the alma mater of both my, uh, my dad and one of my brothers. And I have several other friends, you know, since I grew up there that all went to Lemoyne. And, and um, so that's kind of our, our connection. And, and we can joke with one another about those long, cold upstate New York winters. And, and his, uh, his coach was a legendary coach at Lemoyne. And I happened to, to go to um, school with his sons, high school with his sons. So we kind of have that uh, New York connection. And then, you know, with Ryan, the the Canadian, you know, my mom is from Montreal. So we kind of have that connection. And you, you try and find little things that, um, you know, you can use as conversation starters and get to know each other a little bit. And I think sense of humor is, is a big part of that. You know, I've, uh, I, I've been instructed to be quite liberal with my uh, Seinfeld references when I'm working with JD. You know, you want to do a little background check on people, get a little history in there so you you can, uh, you know, have much more intriguing and enjoyable conversations to uh, one of the things that I think is a, is a big responsibility of a play-by-play announcer is to make that booth as comfortable as you can, as quickly as you can, and and to have a lot of fun up there. You know, Beth, I'm sure your foraging process has already unearthed this, but just in case it hasn't, and just in case our listeners aren't aware, at Deshay's quotes on Twitter. Oh is, my gosh, no, I did not know that. Must follow. <laughs> I believe I sent a tweet at, at Deshay's quotes last night when he was talking about how you you should probably walk the O'Grady guy because it's St. Patrick's Day and you don't want any part of that. <laughs> Well, I'm, and I loved uh, I loved Contreras' use of uh, he shillelaghed that home run. That was, a- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah. Outstanding. And then the second, um, I'm one that I'm sure you've come across, but uh, you know, my, one of my favorite like random facts about Jim Deshays is that he had an awesome view for the Kerry Wood game because he was the opposing pitcher. Oh, that's a great little nugget. How long did he last in that game? <laughs> or, or no, I'm sorry. Wait, Deshays was calling the game oh, for the Astros. I, okay. I'm wrong. Yeah. He, I'm wrong. The reason that I, I have to go back, he was calling the game for the Astros, and he um, was at the time the pitcher who had the rec out for, record for like the most strikeouts in a row in a game. I believe it was seven or eight. And so he's he's watching the game from the press box. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up my facts here. This is why we do we do notes, and I don't usually go off of them. <laughs> this is all good stuff. You know, there's nothing better than a good tangent. <laughs> yeah, and, and occasionally I'm a little liberal with my tangents, and I have to go back and fact check myself. But that's totally fine. <laughs> well, the day that Sarah gave Beth Moen's material. <laughs> 
I love it. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm now, now I'm going to be, you know, usually it's flipping through TikTok all day long. Now I'm going to be flipping through JD quotes uh, on Twitter all day long. <laughs> oh, well, TikTok is Andy's language. And I should just let you and Andy talk about TikTok for a second. It is a time suck. Don't do no, it. <laughs> half an hour is gone before you even realize what hit you. Oh, half an hour is like my break time. <laughs> Yeah, Andy is the TikToker. I I was on there for about five minutes and realized I would get nothing done if I stayed on that site. Yeah. Well, baseball's back now, so I'm not as heavy into TikTok. It was something to kill time when there was no baseball. <laughs> Uh, you know, Beth, we've really appreciated your time here today, and I just I'm so excited for you to join this Cubs broadcast team at Marquee Sports Network. Is there something that fans should know listening to you about? your history with calling baseball, calling sports, um, what should they be listening for as they're hearing you talk about this team next season? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I, I hope what comes across is, um, you know, the fact that we love being a part of the broadcast and we want to make it as um, fun and entertaining and, and informative as we can. And, uh, you know, what I, I've been told a lot in my, my career ladies is some of my best work is when I lay out. So, you know, just appreciate those silent pauses, you know, when we hopefully will let the crowd noise carry us for a little bit. Uh, and you know, the, the beauty of, of the game is really in, uh, in the feel of it, isn't it? it? It's, it's in the, those moments where you can just sit back and take a deep breath and soak it all in with a, with a beer and a brat. And, um, you know, I probably won't have the beer till after the games, but you know, maybe a brat, uh, and you know, just ho hopefully it's a nice relaxing day at the ballpark. I, I absolutely love that you say that because so many of us have been shut out of baseball, <laughs> baseball viewing in, in person for a year now and haven't been able to get that live baseball feel. So Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. I think those pauses are important because now that they're going to start and let back, you know, 25% of folks into the park, just to even hear that little bit of murmur, you know, at, at Wrigley and to be able to just hear what little we can of normalcy, I think is so important. And it keeps us, you know, as fans really engaged with what you guys are doing, what you're seeing, and it makes us feel like we're there. So I appreciate that more than you know that you take that into consideration. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being, uh, being a part of, of a, a day, hopefully real soon, that, uh, that we can pack the place again and enjoy some Cubs baseball. Andy and I are both on the record that we are going to cry when we see Wrigley Field one more time. I, I occasionally cry when I see Wrigley Field just because. Uh, it's such a beautiful site. It's such a historic ballpark, and there's so many memories there. But I think it, it might be a full-on ugly cry this season after such a long break. <laughs> Bring Agreed. Issues. Agreed. <laughs> oh. uh, Beth, is there anything else that you want to share with fans? We have a, just a few minutes left of this episode. No, I, I think I'm pretty good. I, I just, I, I hope everyone is excited about, um, you know, the possibilities this year and what looks like a, a pretty wide open NL Central. Um, and, you know, Arietta's back in town. Hopefully he can have a huge impact on and off the field, um, especially for a lot of the younger younger pitchers. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. It's always a wild ride. 
Well, it is a wild ride, and we will be covering all of it here on Cup of Cubby Blue. Beth, if people want to find you on social media and follow your work off the field, how can they do that? Uh, I am at uh, at Beth Mowens on Twitter. Uh, I I wish I could tell you I'm on the gram a lot more than I am, but uh, that is not the case just yet. So, uh, yeah, Twitter is probably the best place to find me. All right. You should follow at Beth Moens to find her work covering the Cubs and covering all of the other sports that she covers. As always, you can follow me and Andy at at Cup of Cubby Blue. And if you want to follow us individually, I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both preparing for the day that we will be in tears when we see Wrigley Field again and looking forward to an outstanding season of Cubs baseball and in particular, Saturday's game that you will not want to miss when Beth Moens makes history as the first woman to call play-by-play for the Chicago Cubs. Until next time, go Cubs. Bye.